Oh, you really got shocked? I did. Ooh. Do you have a metal plate in your head? I wonder if that's where we're getting the feedback <laughs> and all the yeah, shocks and everything. <laughs> Lance gets closer to the microphone. I might, but my parents didn't tell me yet. <laughs> <laughs> did you have to wear those helmets growing up? <laughs> didn't have those yet. <laughs> Even those weren't invented yet. <laughs> they weren't. <laughs> the entire song lands. it was yes that right. was totally Thank awesome you. that was awesome hey hello and welcome to another episode of when records ruled the podcast where we share our love of rock music and pop culture from the 70s and 80s and take a few b-side tracks down memory lane memory lane along the way down penny lane no it's right by memory lane exactly okay so get out those liner notes and strap that unlicensed nuclear accelerator on your back AKA Proton Pack, <laughs> because it's time to hit the play button. I'm your host, David Norris, and joining me on this flashback musical road trip are my good friends Brian Strym and Lance Schwartz. Hi, Dave. Hey, guys. Nice to see you. Nice to see you. Hi, in person David. Too. <laughs> oh, David Letterman's mom. Nice throwback. <laughs> Around 84 now. Yeah. It was like in the that 90s. A little later, yeah. over, right? That's yep. uh, Letterman, prime Letterman time. Yeah, 90s. 80s. I, was, I was a big fan of that when he switched over. We used to watch I that. I mean, it was through the 90s too, but I used to watch when I was in college in yeah. the 80s. Yeah. And that Larry, was, Larry Bud Melman, remember him? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That was like the, I was so glad that he switched because that was the one station we could get. Oh, yeah. And up until then, we couldn't get it. Yep. Oh, we switched to CBS. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It was awesome. With your rabbit ears. That's right. <laughs> with the with a piece of tinfoil. There you go. Yes. <laughs> All right, guys. For today's episode, we're doing something uh, we've done periodically where we take a break from reviewing an album, and instead we're discussing something related to 70s or 80s music or pop culture. So um, a while back, I was trying to come up with a good title for these kinds of episodes on a road trip with my, with my wife last fall, and everything I thought of was just kind of like, eh, it's okay. So when I, I asked her, yeah. Usually you're MO. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, everything's just okay. Yeah. <laughs> so when I asked her to help me brainstorm some names, I think within about two minutes of explaining what I was after, she said, um, how about Rewind? Yeah. I thought that was a pretty All good description, right? I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so we're going to be calling these Rewind episodes now. All so, right. Thanks, Tanya. So... In this Rewind episode, we will be walking through the top 10 singles from 1984, and we're going to throw in a bonus pick from the list of 100 as kind of our like guilty pleasure song. All right. All right. So to give us some perspective before we get into the top 10 list, though, um, we need to know what was kind of going on around, the, around that time. So I believe you guys have some things to share, maybe about the glorious year you, that was 1984. May I ask, why yeah. did you pick 1984, Dave? I don't know that I picked 1984. Brian? I don't know if I did either. You didn't give us any input. <laughs> you just said, guys, we're doing 1984. I probably just threw I that out know. there as a suggestion. And well, I I know what I, you know why? Because this is our trifecta of 1984s. Because the last this, two episodes, we've done an album from 1984. It's it, the 40th anniversary. 40th anniversary, yeah. 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 That's probably why. We probably mentioned it on a previous episode. <laughs> I don't remember. We have previous episodes? At least I what? Yeah. Yes, folks. <laughs> Check it out. Uh, yeah. No, honestly, I'm happy you did because it was a 
big year for me. Graduated from high school in 1984. Nice. I mean, they, wow. let, they let me out anyway. Yeah. <laughs> we don't need you here anymore. <laughs> Move it along there, buddy. Yeah. What do you got for us, Brian? Okay. So a uh, little catchphrase here that started around that time. Wendy's. Where's the beef? Where's the beef? Yes. yes. Wow. The granny. Uh, some of the, the fashion things going on were leggings, parachute pants. Dave, parachute pants. Did you? Um, did you? If, did you? Uh, I did not. Ham I did not drop it like Hammer Time. No, no, I didn't have a pair of those. That was more Michael Jackson. Yes. Oh yeah, with the zippers and yep, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Oh wait, yeah, yeah. I did have like the zipper pants. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought pair. Uh, yeah, I was getting confused. With, I with really, bigger. I really wanted them, but I was just like, I don't think I can pull it off. So I never I did it. One pair of like gray ones, I think. Yeah. And yeah, I remember the red ones it. being pretty popular. Yes. Red and black. Yep. Michael Jackson's favorite. That's colors. right. I don't know if they are or not, but mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, um, the giant shoulder pads. Yep, that that must for have been gone for a, a while for in the eighties, right? Yeah, I think so. Didn't members only jackets have shoulder pads in them? Oh, uh, they may have. I don't. I, I had a members only jacket. I did not have shoulder pads in mine. They were kind of puffy around. Yeah, maybe not. That was maybe another. You know, that was the other. That's a different decade. Had. Yeah, <laughs> that's <laughs> a different decade. <laughs> All right, uh, summer Olympics were held in Los Angeles that year, mm -hmm. and I do remember them coming through. I lived in the Bay Area, the torch coming down through our city. Did you go down and watch it? Oh yeah, we you did. did. Cool. I mean, this, I mean, the streets were just lined with people. Wow. I can't imagine for. Miles and miles and miles of people coming out to watch the torch go by yep. on its way to Los Angeles. Pretty exciting stuff. That yeah. was pretty cool. I have a little torch story. Not from the Olympics, but we once ha uh, held, held the U.S. Olympic Festival in Minneapolis. So they did a torch oh. around the state of Minnesota. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. And I got to carry it. You did? Yeah. Cool. Super exciting, guys. Did you fall? I did not fall. I don't think anybody was on the road to watch because <laughs> anybody that was interested signed up to carry yeah, right. the torch yeah. in our little town here. But Funny. anyway, I'm sure the Olympic torch was a lot cooler. That was the pretty US cool. Olympic festival. And, and the Soviet union boycotted the Olympics that year. Oh yeah. Uh, we've got uh, Steve jobs launches the Macintosh personal computer. Sweet. That was a big year. That was really big. Was that the iconic commercial? It was. was. Super yeah. Bowl commercial? Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. Michael Jackson's hair caught on fire while filming a Pepsi commercial. That was pretty big news. That was really big news. Wow. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I didn't realize it was that early. Wow. Yeah. He probably had a lot of chemical in his hair, I'm guessing. A little bit, yeah. It probably wouldn't take much. <laughs> right. Mm -hmm. I mean, just like anybody had hairspray. I mean, yeah. that was oh, highly yeah. flammable, too. Or moose. Right. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, space shuttles uh, making routine trips by this time. And actually, people were starting to get a little bored with it. Weren't the big events that used to be. Yeah. And in fact, when 86, when uh, was it the Challenger that exploded? Yeah. Yeah. That was, you know, there weren't many people that interested. But they did the teacher, so that was kind of that a, was the interesting story. That kind of brangle. I think I think they even used that as kind of a little promotional thing I to think they did. kind mm -hmm. of get people's interest again. Yeah, Ronald Reagan reelected. Um, let's see, Band Aid, the recording uh, to raise money for uh, the famine in Ethiopia. 
Was that we so are the do world? They know, do they know no, it's Christmas? that was later. Oh, Band-Aid was, uh, do they know it's Christmas? Yeah, okay. and we are the world would have been like in 85 in the summer. Okay. Yeah, so right around that time. And then minivans were introduced at this time. Lots of suburban moms shouted for joy, I guess. Yep. <laughs> and then about 20 years later said, I don't want this thing anymore. <laughs> Give me an SUV. We're still driving one. Yeah, there are a lot of people still driving. Yeah. From 1984? No. The same one? Oh, no. <laughs> I remember my, my mom wanted, my mom went to, my parents went to Hawaii and they rented uh, with some other couples and they rented a minivan. And this was probably like in 85 or so, 84, 85. She came back. We're getting a minivan. So we got a minivan. Sold, huh? Wow. Yeah, she's totally sold on that. I mean, they are kind of roomy. They are. Yeah. Especially if you're traveling with a pretty decent group. Bunch of kids. Yep. Yep. Not many companies make them. Everybody made them for a while. No. Now you're down to maybe three or so. <laughs> Probably less. You're up, Lance. I'm up. <laughs> what do you got? Hey, you know, a few other things. It was, you know, we're going to talk about the music, but it was kind of an iconic music year. Springsteen released Born in the USA. Mm. Prince released uh, Purple Rain. Um, you know, LeBron James, ever heard of that guy? Who? Mm, maybe. Pretty big basketball player, from what I'm told. The King, born in '84. Oh wow, he's 40 years old, and he's still playing at a pretty high level. Wow, Ooh. yeah. Has that anybody is... seen his toes? I've yeah, I just recently no. saw a picture. Just from so much playing, they just yep. pretty gnarly. Take a look at his toes sometime. I don't, yep. I don't know if I want to. Probably not going to post that on not. social. <laughs> That's something we're not going to post. Probably how, not. How about this? Do you ever go into a restaurant and eat cheesy potato skins? That sounds familiar. Apparently, they were at the top of the appetizer menu. Really? Yeah. Hollowed out baked potatoes filled with cheese, bacon, and chives. Yeah. Maybe a little I mean, sour cream dip. I'd yeah. eat that. Sure. I sounds that, good, yeah. I don't know if I had them in a restaurant, but boy, it sure sounds good. Wouldn't yeah. pay for it. I'd eat it. <laughs> so easy to make at home, right? Right. Yeah. How about this? Cost of living in 84. What things cost? So the... Uh, Average movie ticket was two dollars and fifty cents. Whoa, yeah. nice! Uh, Bring that back. Bring pound, that. pound of bacon, buck sixty nine. What is it? Seven bucks now if you <laughs> Holy get cow. a deal. Um, how about uh, average monthly rent, three hundred and fifty dollars? I mean, you go to California and West Coast now, can't get a one bedroom apartment you for a couple grand even. Put a zero behind that one. Yep. Um, the big cities. Final one. A gallon of gas, buck ten. <laughs> oh, I was going to gas like ninety nine cents. That's pretty close. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, it just seemed to hover around that price for the longest time. Yeah, where you could the amount of gallons you put in matched the dollars you were putting in. Yeah, yeah. it was kind of nice. Yeah. It was. <laughs> I have five dollars, <laughs> and it's going to be five gallons. Yeah, exactly. Yep. yep. And you might even had a Honda Civic in nineteen eighty four and got. 30-something miles per gallon. I had a Honda Accord. You had an Accord? Probably got 30-something miles per gallon. Yeah. I had a Ford LTD. I did not get 30-some <laughs> miles. To Five? The you could yeah. also fit 30 of your friends in there, <laughs> yeah, too. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Including 10 in the trunk. Right. And you floated on down the road. Yep. My wife drove one of those for a while. I remember that. A big old the boat. boat. Yep. Oh, yeah. That's what we called it. 400 cubic inch engine. Uh, I think I got that thing up to 110 once. Oh, we Whoa, what? hey. <laughs> yeah. No cops are listening. On a right? flat road out in the country. Totally safe. Yes. I guess oh, so. Yeah. 
All right, should we get into it? Let's, let's go. All right, let's get in the top 10 songs from 1984. Here we go. On the list later. Yes. That's just a little Coming appetizer. Up. Yeah. So the number 10 song on this list of top singles from 1984. <laughs> Whoa. Karma Chameleon by Culture Club. <laughs> Ryan on harmonica. I thought it was Willie Nelson, or the guy from Willie Nelson, Mickey <laughs> Raphael. <laughs> nope, probably That's not. good that you could mention a guy from Willie Nelson's band. <laughs> yeah. I like Willie. No kidding. I, I liked Willie. Willie in 1984. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so Karma Chameleon, released on September 5th, 1983, from the album Color by Numbers, spent three weeks at number one, becoming the group's biggest hit and only U.S. number one single. And it sold over 7 million copies globally. Wow. Okay, I got a question. How did that get on the 84 list if it came out in 83 and spent three weeks at number These one? are the top songs of 84. So just the album, I mean, you're talking yeah. the album came out in 83. Oh, maybe, yeah. That must have been what that reference was. Yeah. 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 So they released a single probably a few months after that. And then but either way, it was the biggest, 10th biggest song of 1984. Yep. Probably didn't have too many other... Big ones. Be, well, no, yeah, they we'll did. get into that. <laughs> they did. <laughs> I mean, it's got a catchy melody. It is a right? catchy I, tune. I don't mind the song. I think it's pretty good production, actually. Yeah. I listened to it. I listened to all these top tens. And I thought it sounded decent. I mean, yeah, Boy George looked a little, you know, Different. It different was, it was the, the image. The, the image I couldn't get past. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, you got a catchy tune and it's kind of cool, but. Man, it was tough. It was. There were some guys in our high school who thought they were Boy George too. Hair hat, trench oh, coat, right. and all that, and you're just oh, like, Ugh. wow. Yeah. So that just kind of reinforced me, like not wanting to, yeah. really listen to the Culture Club. Yeah, <laughs> it's just not really my style of music either. But yeah, right, I, don't, yeah. I don't hate it, and but I would say, you know, it's stands up well, I guess. It compared to a lot of other '80s stuff. Oh it, yeah, it's a little more unique. I thought the the harmonica was interesting because it, it almost seemed like that style of our harmonica didn't really fit the 80s and yet here we're smack in the middle of the 80s and especially in that kind of song in that kind of song yeah. yeah it's very counter culture Ooh, dave thank you thank you very much wow i'm here all week and you know we're going to hear kind of that same style of harmonica coming up a little later teaser teaser i'm looking at the list going hmm okay you'll yeah, tell yeah. me which one yeah. you'll know all right ready to move on Let's move it on. Number nine, Ghostbusters by Ray Parker Jr. I don't remember that. I don't either. I think they might have started. You know what? You're right. probably like the, the single version that yeah. they released to the radio stations probably just started with the... I yeah, have to believe that. that too because I, when I was listening to this, I didn't remember that little scratchy, you know, guitar yeah, string at yeah, all. Right. Yeah. And the little burning, you know. That, mm -hmm. Yeah. So this was released on June 16th, 1984, uh, peaked at number one on the Billboard Hot 100 on August 11th. 
stayed there for three weeks. And this was uh, Parker Jr.'s only number one on that chart. Okay. Hmm. That was the proton pack reference for all those who didn't get that earlier. Oh. Nuclear yeah. accelerator. Mm -hmm. Unlicensed nuclear accelerator. Because I'm a Ghostbusters nerd, so. Yeah. You know, I knew that. I'm not really into Ghostbusters, and I'm not into this song. <laughs> was it just annoying for just you when it pass. came out? I mean, it's like, this is too cheesy <laughs> to, have, to have a movie with the song title and it's number one i have no no offense to ray parker jr i think he's actually a pretty decent uh, r&b artist he's had some other hits i can't think he of has. them right now yeah the other woman i think yeah yeah i like that song i'm in love with the other woman yep my life was fine that's right blew my mind oh, blew my mind <laughs> he's good but i yeah this song i it to me it doesn't stand the test of time it's kind of kitschy just yeah the we, video will, probably reinforced that um cheesiness for you if you ever watch the video probably it's super cheesy yeah. had, had some uh, celebrities in there it did yeah like I, the ghostbusters no in, in the video it, the ghostbusters were in the well, video chevy too. chase was in it that. wasn't it <laughs> was it chevy chase i think chevy chase was in no i don't think chevy was in there. i think he was george went was in there John Candy in the video. I didn't watch it all the way Singing through. Singing Ghostbusters I, at the end. Oh, okay. Yeah. Little cameos. Yep. Okay. I do kind of remember that. I didn't watch it this last time. I didn't watch it all the way through. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm done. <laughs> Prince wasn't in it. This is the one that had... Uh, <laughs> no. We talked about this earlier with uh, I Want a New Drug. Yeah. Where he kind of stole very, that. Very similar oh, to yeah. line. Yeah. Yeah. By Hebe Lewis from I Want a New Drug. Yeah. That's another reason I don't like it. Yeah, right. <laughs> Rip-off artist. I do, I do like a couple of the lines, though. Bustin' makes me feel good. I love that one. That's pretty good. And, it, and if you get a dose of those freaky ghosts. <laughs> and, I, I, come on. and I ain't afraid of no ghosts. Yeah. I got Apparently, a little story. When I was in college, my roommate and I, this was still back when prank calling was kind of a thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah. So we were going to oh, yeah. prank call, and he says... From we were up in our bunks. Who are you going to call? And I said, Ghostbusters. And we both cracked up for the next five minutes. Like back when the joke really was new. Stupid. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yep. We had fun. He said. He said that uh, when he wrote the song, he said it's really hard to fit Ghostbusters into a song. How do you get Ghostbusters into a song? That's a mouthful. And and like in what context? You know. Yeah. Did so he get a directive. He started, so you got to talk about well, Ghostbusters. I don't know. Probably, he probably wanted to wow. mention it, but he didn't. And then when they came up with it, he actually had his girlfriend and and bunch of their friends say the Ghostbusters part because he didn't want to say that part. Oh, really? <laughs> so he had In the them, song. Yeah. Okay. So he had them do it. <laughs> well, hopefully, Ray made a lot of money on this. Oh, I'm one. sure he did. Yeah. Yep. And I mean, he played all the instruments on the song too. He did. He did. That's impressive. Know. That is yeah. cool. Yep. It was a fun, you know, around the time the movie came out, and then it kind of got old because it just got way overplayed. I had the T-shirt. You did? I had a Ghostbuster. Wow. My brother had a friend that worked in a T-shirt shop, and he gave me one. Every once in a while, you'll see an old Cadillac cruising around Cadillac. Oh, Lane yeah. With the Ghostbusters yeah, right. logo on it. There's a few. I mean, it was a fun movie. It scared the crap out of me. I still remember seeing it in the theater. Yeah. I was on a balcony. And I did, too, and that's the only time I ever saw it. Really? Oh. Really? 
30 years ago. I have 40, 40 I have, years ago, 30. sorry. Have the DVD. Um, you wish it was duo. 30 years ago. <laughs> wow, yeah, 30, 40, 50, anyone? Yeah, all right. All right, moving on to our uh, number eight. This is Owner of a Lonely Heart by Yes. Pretty kick butt intro there. Yeah, I agree. I I love it. So, Owner of a Lonely Heart was released on October 24th, 1983 from the album 90215, which I got from Brian when I was in college. I Mm. think you burned a off a CD. I think yeah. I have a tape copy of that one. Yeah. Only single of theirs to reach number one on the Billboard 100, actually. Yeah. Not surprised. I mean, this this is a great thing to have on a top 10 list, in my opinion. Top 10 of the best songs of the year. Why is that? Because, I mean, a prog band that makes a comeback? Yeah. I mean, how cool is that? And this album was very anticipated. I remember that. I was working at a stereo store about the time this came out and everybody's like, Oh, I can't wait for that new yes album the, to come out. Yeah, the really? the record company really was pushing they it. were they yeah. were gonna make sure this is gonna be a good album. Yep. It was in kind of a newer lineup for Yes. Mm-hmm. Um John Anderson was still obviously with the band, but Trevor Rabin was one of the main songwriters and he had not been with them in the seventies, mm-hmm. early eighties. The Buggles, right? Was he in the Buggles? Yeah. Wow. The that, two of them joined so yeah huh who's the other guy um the producer yeah i should uh, know horn is it horn mm, anyway yeah well, trevor horn trevor horn and, and trevor rabin there are two trevors maybe maybe I'm anyway the it. keyboard for the two guys from the buggles joined yes around this time i'm i just i'm glad it's here i think the album and the song stand the test of time that's my kind of mark of whether or not I like these top tens because top tens can be kind of weird, right? Oh, I mean, it's a mixture. For, it's a hodgepodge. Guys like yeah. us that like rock. It's like, yeah, well, you know, we talked uh, last episode, these bands that uh, kind of came from the seventies and, you know, kind of maybe peaked or had their biggest stuff in the eighties. And this would have been one of them. Yeah. From a I commercial mean, you're standpoint, talking 10, 12 years later, you know, they were welcomed back into the, the 80s i didn't yeah. see how this album did but i love the album oh the album is excellent yeah. do, do you guys like early yes this you is know, the like only the... yes i've i've probably listened to oh just because the, brian i got a copy for brian i'm like oh i'll listen to this mm-hmm. and then i got really got into that but i, I would invite I you to go back and listen to the yes album especially the remixed version yes 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 okay no good good stuff uh Who's the guy from Porcupine Tree that does the remixes? Steven Wilson. He's in the band Porcupine Tree, and he does a lot of remixes of prog bands. Jethro Tull and Yes among. Okay. And that some of those early Yes remixes, Steven Wilson, are really good, sound great. The song uh, Leave It on this album, Mm -hmm. too. Brian mm-hmm. showed me an acapella version, so we worked that into lip sync while we were in college. I, yes, I think it was I've awesome. seen a video of it actually. Yeah. It's pretty cool. It it's pretty epic. Cool. Yeah. Was it big, big generator right after this too? Yeah. That kind of a similar sound. Yeah. Anyway, I could talk the, about it. yes a lot, but the album cover for this, just a little thing, was created on the Macintosh. Oh, that's or cool. the Apple IIe. It sucks. That's I, that's I, where I, they I, that's where they created it from. 
it, it's, you don't it's like very super dated. Oh, I hate the right. album cover. It's, <laughs> it's, it's junk. Yeah. It's junk. But I'm sure that was why, like, we created this on an Apple Macintosh, and this is awesome. Yeah. Big yeah. generator is even worse than, if you know, <laughs> seriously. It's a little more colory. It's colory, yeah. But <laughs> yeah. I, I never did like the album cover on this one. Did uh, Dave, were you and I talking one time about that um, that kind of keyboard sound where they took the orchestra sample and they put it into a keyboard sound that it's just like yeah, for a split I know what you're second. About. No, I don't think we were talking about that. Is there, that there's a video that? on this and this, that sound is used in tons of different songs because it was like a sound that they put on these keyboards and it was taken from some orchestra. They just took a snippet of it and made it into a keyboard sound. And you listen to a lot of songs around that time and you'll hear the same sample. Yeah. Wow. It's pretty cool. No, I didn't know that. Check it out. Cool. We're going to move on. Number seven. This is uh, Hello by Lionel Richie. trumpet there yeah yeah so this was released on february 13th 1984 from his second solo album can't slow down it spent two weeks in the number one spot i do remember hearing this on the radio quite a lot mm -hmm. actually i'm not a huge fan of the slower jams especially when i was only 13 mm -hmm. i did like all night long from this same album but yeah. this one was just kind of like eh, all right yeah you like, guys will find this weird but i really like lionel i i really like lionel do you lionel? I like lionel? I do. yeah, yeah. I, not, but not at the time. Yeah. I mean, I've grown to like him more. I, I you were his, more mature at this time. I was. A, <laughs> you guys, I'm a little older <laughs> than you. Right. you know? There it is. All right. <laughs> um, yeah, maybe it was. <laughs> let me slip this Lionel cassette in and yeah. go on a little date with could, my this high could, This honey. could have been one of my guilty pleasure songs. But it's in yeah. the top ten, so we're talking about it anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I think his stuff is is um, recorded and engineered really well. And when I go back and listen, it's like, man, he had some great. I don't. Maybe he did some of his own producing. I didn't really look to see who engineered and produced Lionel Richie albums. But I, I always liked the Commodores too, mm -hmm. and uh, he parlayed that success. And he still sells out mm -hmm. arenas. This is the same year, or is the, oh, the year after that um, We Are, we the, are world the World yep. came out the year after. Mm -hmm. But from this, this is the album where he got, like, he won a bunch of American Music oh, Awards, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah, because he won, he was hosting the American Music Awards, and he won, like, four or five awards, I think, that night, too. I believe it. Yeah. I believe when I looked at the list of the top 100, he had four. I think wow. he had the yeah. most. Yeah, that was a big yeah. year for Lionel. Yeah. yeah. So, I, yeah, kudos to Lionel. I think i'll always have a little i guess that might even be a guilty pleasure right lionel if you want to use that term we're using so you it. don't i know yeah. you typically don't like slow songs like this but because it's in his kind of genre then it's more okay yeah you know he he's a great r&b artist and and back then this was kind of you know the slower stuff um so earth wind and fire had some slower tunes like that um 
very even, 80s. You know, even Prince, for that matter, had some slow R&B. You know, the thing I liked about the 80s is you could even have bands that you didn't really care for, songs you didn't really like, but they still had guitar in them. Yeah. They still have a guitar solo in it. Yeah. Even though you didn't really like the song or whatever, it's, hey, that was kind of cool. There's a Carpenter song, and I can't think of the name. Oh, of I know what note. you're talking about. Yeah. Where he has that, like, totally distorted, oh, buzzy like this, guitar. Where yes. did this come from? Yeah. Yeah. This, and this, the the solo in this song is pretty cool. It's really jazzy, mm-hmm. kind of fun little solo. Just don't watch the videos. Oh, no, that's, a, that's <laughs> that was awful. For for this song? This one yeah. in particular, and, and several other, obviously. <laughs> hey, I liked All Night Long. It was pretty fun. Oh, yeah. That was a fun one. That was a good party that song. Yeah, dancing right. on the ceiling was really cheesy. Kids, kids break dancing and stuff. Yeah. That was, that was awesome. He, he said he came up with a line for this song, uh, Hello, is this me you're looking for? When he was a kid and he was really shy and he'd be sitting on the street watching girls walk by and he would say that to himself, but he's you know too afraid to approach wow. him. So he'd kind of say like, hey, is it me you're looking for? Hello, is it me you're looking for? <laughs> wow. And years later. And years later, he, uh, he was the he man. In there. But here's a question I have for you guys. Do you remember the song... Still Got the Blues by Gary Moore. Mm, I don't think so. Still Maybe if you'd sing it for us, Brian. If. Do I need to pull it up? <laughs> I think you need to pull it up and, and just play it and tell me what it sounds like. Oh. And this would have been like five, What's six years Still later. Got the Blues? Still Got the Blues. Huh. What does that sound like? Huh. Don't need to go back and play. Uh, is that the solo from? I mean, it just sounds like the hello. Is it me you're looking for? Oh. Is it me you're looking for? I can see. I can. I can kind of hear it. I've always thought that when I ever heard that song, I was like, "Oh, Lionel Richie." Gary Moore, like a. a he was a guitarist. I, I think later on he played with like Thin Lizzy and. Dig the solo. That was yeah, cool. it's it's a cool song. Probably came out in late eighties. But anyway, I've always kind of tied that one together. Mm-hmm. It's a cool song. My daughter does not like this song though. Aaron's like, eh, it's just creepy sounding. Because <laughs> she watched the video. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're moving on to our number six uh, selection here. This is uh, our intro song here, "Jump" by the Mighty Van Halen. really fun if you could scream like that oh man yeah i'd just be going around doing that probably annoying everybody around me yeah i could right. but i have a sore throat for three weeks <laughs> afterwards yeah that's true too all right this is uh from the album 1984 which was released in december 83 uh this spent five weeks at number one much anticipated album too by the way yeah this one they were they had to have the album released i mean their contract was by the end of the year of 83 and I think it was released on December 31st. Wow. <laughs> or like right, right at that time. They met the deadline. Or at least the single made it. We talked about the debut album in our, boy, that was our second or third album. Yeah. Second, third, third, third episode. Third, yeah. Think, yeah. But this was a great reintroduction 
to Van Halen for me. I didn't have anything after the first album. I didn't get any of the albums mm-hmm. after that. But oh, wow. Yeah. But I had a friend who had this one, and we were listening to this like almost nonstop. So, I mean, this was huge. Yeah. It's our biggest album. And seeing the video, too. I mean, this was like, I had oh. this somewhat record on a VHS player from yeah. Friday Night Videos, you know. That video was known for, you know, they say it costs like $600 to, to record. Yeah. Which is probably a little more than that, but it was cheaply done yep. and a huge success. I mean, it really captured the band yeah. the way you wanted to see them. Sometimes less is more. Having fun. Yeah. <laughs> and I also heard, I mean, they were, they were fighting. I mean, they were not getting along at all at this time. And when they were recording the video, they the guy recorded all their kind of individual shots during the day. Didn't do the full band stuff till the end of the day because he didn't want mm. to mess up. Because <laughs> if you started with that, yeah, yep, he was smart. He knew what was going on, right? right? But this was a depart- departure with the keyboards from their the regular sound, so it was a bit of a gamble. It's well, most so, of the band was not did not want to do it. It's so uncharacteristic. But they had keyboards on some previous albums, though, didn't they? A little bit, a little bit. Mm, Just I, I mean, they did dancing, like, dancing in the streets on Diver Down. Doesn't that have? And the cradle will rock, but it just sounds like a guitar, so it you just, can't. Cradle, yeah. yeah. I'll be honest, this this is not the song that makes me like Van Halen. I don't know what it is. It's a hit. It, yeah. brought, a hit. it, it brought in a new generation of fans. Yeah, for sure. By doing yeah. that. Does it feel like a little softer rock compared to some of the other stuff? It was yeah, maybe heavy. a little bit. Yeah. Maybe that's the appeal. And I'm sure, I mean, a lot of People were like, Ugh, don't want to hear the keyboards. Even David Lee Ross is like, you're a guitar hero, Eddie. You don't play keyboards. Yeah. But he Amen. He wanted to do it. <laughs> Lance is with that. But he redeems himself with the solo. It's got a cool guitar yeah. solo yeah. in it. I, a lot of people were experimenting with keyboards at the time. Mm-hmm. He actually wrote this like in 1981. So it took like really? three years before he could convince the band to record. So he had it for a long time. I listened to the remastered version when we were going to do this list here. And I didn't, I heard so many other little nuances in the keyboard. Yeah. The the individual sounds that it was making. Mm -hmm. It was super cool. You get a chance to listen to the remastered version of this. It's, and Dave's vocals are a little more buried than I remember too, for Mm. some reason. I don't know why. The whole keyboard sound, he created that sound. It wasn't like you could just get a keyboard and play the sound. He created that sound. And shortly after, Casio was like, we have the sound. <laughs> so they, they took that sound and then it was on all the keyboards after that where you could, you know, push the button and say, oh, here's the here's jump the, sound. Uh, well, innovation. Yep. All right, guys, let's move on to our number five. We're halfway through. This is Against All Odds. And take a look at me now in parentheses. Um, this is by Phil Collins. So this was released in the U.S. in February 84, number one for three weeks, first of seven U.S. number ones for Collins in his solo career. So he's a pretty successful singer-songwriter in his yeah, own right. He was, after he was flooding the market at this time. Yes. What movie was this from? It was Against All Odds. That was the name of the movie, too. That yeah. was, yes. Yep. I guess I didn't see it. I did not either. 
I, I'm, Neither did I'm, I. I'm ticked off at Phil Collins for, <laughs> for doing this stuff. I mean, he's elevated to vocalist in Genesis after Peter Gabriel leaves. Another great prog band. And then he's doing these sappy ballads. I, I didn't like this song at all. It's like, what are you doing, Phil? So it reminds me maybe of another vocalist from a pseudo prog band, Sticks. Dennis DeYoung, who left and went really soft on his stuff, too. But I don't know. Maybe he needed to make some money. But this was actually a leftover song from Face Value. Was it really? Yep. And so when they wanted to to have the movie, he he just reused the song. He probably changed the lyrics a little bit, but it was a song that he already had. Yeah. I don't know if that makes me feel any different. I just, I don't know. I I like Phil Collins a lot. Seen him live. Um, and I like Genesis a lot, but to me, this is just too sappy. Of a not, song. not one of my favorite songs by him, but I don't mind it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm kind of in that camp too. I like Phil Collins. Mm-hmm. I like more of his stuff. I think we with Genesis. This was yeah. his first number one song. I'm not surprised. It's, it's a good crossover kind of hit. I mean, it's, there's a lot of mass appeal, but I mean, this is kind of that sign of the time song that all this adult contemporary stuff that they'd be playing yeah, on the radio though sure. I remember a lot of this similar sound well he was competing with air supply for crying <laughs> yeah, this is true i was yeah i was dating this girl for a very short time and we were in her truck and we were driving and we we're talking and this song came on the radio and she's like quiet shh, shh. we'll listen to the song <laughs> well she had just recently broken up with her boyfriend and i'm oh. listening to the song i'm like I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> so much for this rebound. So romance. much, yep. <laughs> uh, like, nope, not happening. <laughs> oh, man. All right, probably enough about that one. Yep. All right, let's move on to our number four song, Footloose from Kenny Loggins. little background vocal in there too yeah mm-hmm. pay attention i wonder what it says i don't know i didn't uh, pull up the lyrics on that one i think it was backwards masking probably <laughs> yes it's footloose backwards so Let's this was released on marijuana <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm sure that was kenny's message right uh released on january 11th 84 it spent three weeks at number one uh was nominated for an academy award for best original song at the 1985 ceremony Losing to Stevie Wonder's I Just Called to Say I Love You from The Woman in Red. Mm. So lost out to Stevie. Man, movies ruled with music. I'm just, okay, and I'm just looking at this list. One, two, three, four. Four of these songs are from soundtracks, movie Mm -hmm. soundtracks. Yeah. In the top 10. I mean, it doesn't hurt, right? Yeah. No, I, I feel okay. You're getting kind of the double shot of getting it in a movie and then people yeah. probably see the movie again and really like it because of the movie. Totally catchy song though. Uh, yeah. It's, it's a great song. It's one of those epitome of the eighties sounding songs, it was. right? I mean the sound and everything, a good movie Rock I mean, the soundtrack. I think they released like six singles from yeah. this. Oh, I mean out of like nine, nine or 10 on this album. Yeah. Let's hear it for the boy. Let's. Yeah. Let's hear it from my man. Uh, 
Footloose was as big as any movie was in the oh, mid '80s too. Yeah, it inspired fashion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a big thing. I don't know. Do you feel like it has the staying power? I mean, would you go pick up the Footloose album and listen to this song and say, "This is awesome"? I think so. Yeah, I think it appeals to people today as much as it did back then. I mean, it's enduring because it's been turned into a stage play too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to see if I can remember, Brian, you and I went to see We did. Kenny we saw did Kenny he play this song? Of course he oh, did. How could he not? Yeah. I don't remember much from that show, and it's not because well, how we much were, were you smoking? Too much. No, was, no, not at all. I drug him in there, <laughs> threw him down in his seat. Yeah. <laughs> We had pretty good seats. I was a, there was not a ton of people. At no, it was day. a quarter house. Yeah, they pulled that thing up. Yep. Yeah, there was probably a couple couple thousand. thousand. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays they would have it in the smaller. It was yeah. I I thought he put on a really good show. He still sounded. He was even pretty old at that time, but yeah. uh, he still sounded good. I liked Kenny Loggins' duet <clears throat> with uh, um, Steve Perry. A song called oh, "Don't Fight yeah, It." Don't fight it. Yeah, he's got a quite a diverse catalog of. Top 40 stuff, Kenny Loggins. Another, then he was in Loggins and Messina. Yeah, another guy who came from the 70s and, mm-hmm. you know, so made it big in the 80s. Yeah. More power to him. Song was also covered by country music artist Blake Shelton for the 2011 remake of this film. Oh, I did not see that one. I yeah. have not had the pleasure of listening to Blake's <laughs> version. No, I don't think I ever intended to watch the remake of the movie, too. No. Again, no, I think I mentioned that before. Not all remakes are good. <laughs> right. You know, 2011, you say? 2011. Go back and check it out if you want. Who he, did he, either? Of you guys wanted to be Kevin Bacon after seeing this movie? Oh man, I Everybody was Kevin did. Bacon. <laughs> Turn up really? the collar on your jean jacket. And yeah, t-shirt. Yeah, listen to some Quiet Riot on the way to church. That's right. Oh yeah. You heard of the police? <laughs> <laughs> yep. He yeah. said he said uh, he got this drum groove was based on David Bowie's song Modern Love. I can hear it. There's no sign of life. Mm-hmm. Just the power to talk. Yep. It's a good song. It is. All right. Ready to move on to number three here? Yep. This is uh, Say, Say, Say. Say by, what? Yeah, exactly. By Paul McCartney and Michael Jackson. Puzzled look on his face here. This sounds like a Muzak version of it or something. It's <laughs> not what I well, remember. I mean, if you're going to call it a Muzak <clears throat> version, that's the real version. This was released October 3rd, 1983, as the lead single from McCartney's 83 album, Pipes of Peace. So this was on, McCart- on a McCartney <clears throat> album, not Correct. a Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yep. So it remained at the top of Billboard's Hot 100 for six weeks and became Jackson's seventh top 10 hit of 83 breaking a record that until then was held jointly by the Beatles and Elvis Presley. So That's as, ironic, huh? As of Beatles. 20, yeah, exactly, yeah. As of 2023, it remained McCartney's final number one single on the Hot 100, either in a group or solo. Wow, huh. interesting. Yeah, this song was, the album, Pipes and Peace, was a lot of leftover stuff from Tug of War, which was released a couple years prior to this. Mm-hmm. So this was a leftover song. He actually had Michael Jackson... And him recorded um, this song and The Girl is Mine. Yes. It was from on the, the thriller, thriller album. Yep. 
And there was one other song that uh, they recorded. Uh, oh, there's not. I can't remember. Yeah. So anyway, this was a song that had actually been around for a couple years and was just released at this point. Oh, okay. The song is better than I remember. I oh, listened good. to the whole thing a couple times. It's a cool groove. Yeah. I think it's kind of a weird duet. Mm-hmm. I think actually Michael Jackson's vocal delivery is better for this song than McCartney's. They're a weird combination on this one. And I've heard, which one did you mention? The girl's Mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that one's fine. But it almost seems like this should have been a Michael Jackson with a Tina Turner kind of male-female that would be an interesting combo. Yeah. I mean, but I, I dig the song. Or it's, maybe it's, Michael Jackson was the female voice. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm not going there. <laughs> but, yeah, maybe. Uh, it, no, he uh, Jackson sounds really good on this. And, I mean, this was his peak for sure. Yeah. Um, it really brought two generations together with McCartney. Sure. And, you know, it probably kind of introduced them a little more to the Beatles yeah. Wings, Paul McCartney stuff, and, and then I'm sure vice versa. Fans had the intrigue of both the Beatles and the Michael Jackson yeah. crowd. They're like, ooh, this is cool. Yep. I, you know, I'm with Brian. It really brought, brought generations together because, you know, not a, not a lot of Michael's fans from the 80s would be super familiar with early Beatles right. stuff, I yeah. think. But I, I think it holds up pretty well. I, I like it. I think I didn't like the video. I thought the video was awful. Yeah, I was reading and something so about that. So that just kind of turned me off in the song. Yeah. It, it's an okay song now. but uh, And this is where I was mentioning that harmonica. This is where that, that harmonica, like in uh, the Culture Club song, has that same kind of yep. song. Are you wondering where the harmonica is in the I song? I am wondering where the harmonica is in It's the in there. I'll have to go back and find it again. I actually noted there's a cool like style change in the music when each of them is singing and it For fits sure. their vocals very well. Yeah. Cause it's like a very Beatlesque kind of sound when Paul's singing and a very Michael-esque kind of beat change and the sound of everything going on when Michael's singing. Yeah. I noticed that too. And Michael's is way more up tempo that part of it. Not that the tempo changes, but just his delivery, it gets your attention. Yeah. Paul McCartney's is just kind of Paul McCartney. And I like Paul McCartney too. I've got, you know, his seven CD, all my best or whatever it's called. And he's good, but it's interesting combination. There's a, a version of the song that he released, I think in 2015, kind of a hmm. deluxe version. And there's a remix of this song, which has Michael Jackson singing most of what Paul McCartney sang in the one that we're listening to now. Really? So it's just uh, Michael Jackson singing a lot of it. I would like to hear that. Yeah. Check it out. Is on it on? Music service. It's the Pipes and Ring, Pipes of Peace. Pipes oh, it's rings. like a reissue? Uh, it was like a deluxe version. So okay. it's got a bunch of other stuff on it. And then they okay. kind of release another version of this one. It, I was thinking that seven CD or seven, <laughs> seven one, that, that's actually not pure McCartney. Maybe it is called Pure McCartney. I said all my best before. Yeah. Anyway, I'll have to check it out and see if it's on there. Too. Last little tidbit on this one, um, unless you have something. I got about. a tidbit too, but you go oh, ahead. Oh, okay. Well, 2013 Billboard magazine listed this song as the 41st biggest hit of all time on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. What? Really? Yeah. 
It has also been voted the ninth best collaboration of all time in Rolling Stone Reader's Poll from 2011. Wow. Ninth best of all time. I thought... Interesting. Yeah. I thought the song got ripped on more than that. Yeah. That it would be that big of a song, but... I like it better now than I did in the 80s, to be honest. I was pleasantly surprised when I came back. Yeah, I, mean, I, I wasn't a fan at the time. Other than but. thinking it was the karaoke version I was playing. Yes, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it did sound a little different to me. Well, but we don't have your high-quality headphones that you have at your... These headphones you know, aren't bad. Your music yeah. cave. Um, <laughs> two things that, that were kind of interesting on this. Um, Palm, they were... Paul McCartney was asked about Michael Jackson at the time, him being such a great writer. And Paul McCartney's like, he's too new. I, I, I'm not even going to say he's a good writer yet. Oh, wow. And, you know, Michael Jackson was probably 21 or 22 at the time. And here Paul McCartney's been around for, you know, 20 years with all the Beatles stuff that he wrote with John and blah, yeah. blah, blah. Yeah. So he wasn't, it was too early for him to give Michael Jackson credit it's to too high a, praise from somebody well-established right, like that. Right. The other thing was they were good friends, but that uh, friendship kind of derailed when Jackson outbid Paul for the Beatles catalog. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh man. That had to hurt so much. <laughs> and I think he bought it for, I want to say it was like $43 million. Oh, gosh. That's nothing. Indeed. Which is, and now it's worth, you know, billion or whatever. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, but can you imagine that you you're trying to buy your own music back and you get outbid and you can't say that Paul McCartney didn't have the money. How and did he not? And he's no Taylor Swift. Who's going to go back and re-record everything. <laughs> not <laughs> kind of, now. Kind of. Well, in fact was, uh, let's see, was Lennon dead by then? Might've been. Yeah, he was. Yeah. 1980. Yep. All right. Moving on to number two here. This is What's Love Got to Do With It by Tina Turner. Lance, go ahead and start singing. You must no? No? Nah, okay. All right. Not going to do it. <laughs> not going to do it, Lance? Nah. You think that was a flute? Or was that? A, I have no idea. It's probably some keyboard sound. Keyboard sound. Probably, yeah. Ian right. Anderson from Jethro Tull doing a guest appearance. Yeah. <laughs> so this was released in May of 84. Spent three weeks as number one, uh, selling over two million copies worldwide. And at the time, Turner became the oldest solo female artist to top the Hot 100 at age 44. Not that old, but. I, I remember suppose. the video for this. I did not think she was 44 years old. And you yeah. remember the video for this? Oh, yeah. yeah. Her hair is teased up like a mile high. It is like crazy hair. <laughs> that has nothing to do with age. No. But I mean, yeah, I, mean, I didn't I think know. she was 44. No, I know. Yeah. Actually, yeah, I just thought she was old. <laughs> <laughs> just looked old. I mean, what, what was the song, Big Wheels Keep on Turning? Yeah. 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 I mean, Mary. that was Proud 60s. Mary. Proud Mary. 60s, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mike Turner. No, that was probably seventies, early, early seventies. I, I anyway, don't remember, but I think it, it, I think it was like thirteen years between the last time she charted and this and this song. Wow! So she had she was, I mean, she was like nothing for and then many all of a sudden, years. 
Kapow. And this was yeah, this was her big big comeback album. She had a she had a number one song in 1960. Oh, so it was the longest time period between number one songs, which was 24 years between that and this song. That's wow. crazy. Yeah. Wow. So she was 20, so 20 did, years old with Ike and Turner. Okay. I wonder what the story was there. Did some producer say, you know what, Tina, you're you're awesome, and we're going to bring you back? Or Probably. I mean, it, it just doesn't happen that you have such a resurgence. I like think she that. was she was playing in clubs. I think when we were when we were talking about her with the Brian Adams song, and uh, shortly before that, she's just playing in clubs and just doing phenomenal shows for these little clubs. And yeah, probably like you said, somebody saw we got like we gotta we gotta get her back in the studio. Gotta mm-hmm. write some fresh songs for her and get her back. It's a classic. For All sure. being said, I don't like the song. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I I do remember when I was in high school, I worked in this cabinet shop, and we were actually outside working, and this song comes on the radio, and my boss goes, "Tina Turner, more like Tina Turn Off," and he goes and turns off the radio. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> he couldn't right. stand her. Uh. <laughs> I didn't mind the song. I, I don't mind it. Um, yeah. I'm not a big fan, but I think it's a classic tune for sure. It is. And I probably have just seen the video like from Friday Night Videos, and I think this is one of them I had recorded, so I was kind of familiar with it that way. Mm-hmm. I didn't mind it. It wasn't like I would just want to go out and buy the single or anything, but it's yeah. okay. I mean, there's a reason it got to number two, I suppose. Who was opening for Who was she opening for at this time? Brian Adams? No. <laughs> nope. Someone on our list. Prince? No. No? Oh, my gosh. Okay, this is going to be interesting. Paul McCartney. No. Ray Michael Parker, Jackson. Ray Parker Jr. No. no. Um, yes. No. Culture Club. No. Van Halen. No. I think we've said them Kenny all. Loggins. No. Lionel? Lionel Richie. Yeah, I could see that. The, why, that's like the only one we didn't mention. I know. Yeah. You guys jumped all we're, around her. We're so bad at this. So, yeah, she opened up for Lionel Richie. Yeah. I, so, when this album came out? Mm-hmm. She was, that'd be a good show. Yeah. Well, because this was her comeback album, she, has, she hadn't released anything for quite some time. So yeah. she wasn't just going to go out and headline. I'll have to ask my sister if she saw She went to Lionel about this time. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, that'd be interesting to know. I have yeah. to ask her if Tina Turner was on that. The opener. Yeah. All right. We ready to move on to our number one? Numero uno. Okay. Number one song When Doves Cry by Prince. Oh, yeah. One of the coolest oh, yeah, guitar yeah. openings of any song ever, in my opinion. It is pretty cool. That was cool. So this was released May 16th of 84, was number one for five weeks. So following Prince's death in 2016, the song recharted on the Billboard Hot 100 at number eight. Wow. <laughs> its first appearance in the top 10 since the week ending September 1st, 1984. Wow. And that was pretty cool. Another one from a movie? Yes, another one from a movie. I have never seen Purple Rain. Oh, my gosh. Never. I think I've seen it a few times. Well, I mean, you're a local guy. Yeah. Did, you ever did, seen it, Brian? I have. I mean, back in the day. Yeah. For some reason, I never got around to watching this one. Yeah. I mean, it's it's not a great movie, but it's probably why I never saw it. 
I hear it's coming back on stage. They're doing mm, the oh, yeah. rain stage version. It'd be worth seeing. Yeah. Um, yeah. It. This is uh, obviously maybe his biggest hit. Yeah, I'm sure it is. Which I was kind of surprised. I mean, I know it was a big hit, but I, if I would were to say, you know, what's his biggest hit? I don't think I would have picked this one. Yeah. yeah hard to hard to know for sure. It's a good song. I was I wasn't a fan at the time. I admired his guitar work, but uh, he's an amazing guitarist. But yeah, I was like, that, "Go ahead." Do you ever see that one with uh, George Harris, the well, George Harrison tribute guitar? Gently, weeps. oh yeah, yeah. So that's cool. so yeah, incredibly awesome. Yeah. He looked at everybody on the stage was like jaws dropped, and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember when our mutual friend Mike Jack John, yes, came. He just went up to some Prince show that was. Like announced that day or no, something like that. I don't, think, I don't think Mike went, but it was a friend of his. Oh, he said he went though. Oh, he mm. he went because he was talking about how phenomenal a guitar player he was. Okay, and he had like the little what is the little uh, fret speed fret or something like <laughs> Freddy's fast fret fast fret yeah whatever it was I can't remember what it was. That's right. Like you'd put on the strings and it, yeah. you know make your guitar uh, slide make easier. your finger slide easier on the. Guitar. Mm. But he like he was like right next to the stage when he was playing and. Oh. Could have grabbed his fast friend. About what year was this? Do you remember? Oh, uh, 92. Yeah. I was at that show. Were you it really? was at the St. Paul Civic Center and it was announced like on a. I don't think it was that one. I think it was that one. It was announced like on a mm. Monday and the show was on Thursday or something like that. No, I think I, I could be wrong, but I know like at this time he would at, uh, at Paisley Park, he would just, you know, all of a sudden have a concert one day. So oh, it was yeah, in he a did that small. This, oh, place. this wasn't the St. Paul Civic Center one? I don't think so, but I, I don't know. No, no, no. I think wrong. it was the smaller venue. Yeah. They talked okay. about it's like it being he a really couldn't have that close. Oh, okay. If no. they weren't. No, he like announced that. one, uh, I think it was, it was 90, maybe. Yeah. And it was prior to a European tour, and he just wanted to do a one-off and make sure yeah. everything was good. And it was, I think it was, like I was saying, announced early in the week, and it was yeah. on a Thursday. It was awesome. Wow. Yeah, I think, you know, 92, 93, 94, I mean, he was, you know, people weren't that interested in him at that point. Not like they were 10 years earlier, no. that's for sure. Yeah. I um, was first introduced to this song by the video again. Mm -hmm. It's a pretty cool opening. I didn't realize he directed this video. Probably, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what I found anyway. Did he direct the movie? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> he does play all the instruments in this song. Which is pretty phenomenal. And, I love all the layering going on in this. And I don't know if you noticed, he decided at the last second, he took the bass out of the song. I didn't notice. There's, There's no probably bass other stuff in the so song. Much other, so much other stuff going on. Yep. Yeah. You don't really notice it's gone. Huh? He just thought, I'm, this is crazy. I'm just going to take it out. It's, it just gives it a completely different sound. And uh, wow, talk to his bass player, which I don't know why, because his bass player didn't record any, any yeah. instruments because he did it all, but... Um, yeah. Brown Mark yeah, was the bass player. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if someday that resurfaces from the vault. With the, yeah. It'd be kind of cool to hear. Yeah. Um, yeah, you guys know I'm, I'm a Prince fan, and I, I think this is probably one of his best of all time, the most enduring. I don't think, you know, the older I get, I think some of his stuff isn't all that enduring. He, you know, his obsession with sex if we can say that you can some some of his stuff just like yeah yeah um but then some of his other stuff is just it's 
incredible. Mm-hmm. He, he was very unique. Um, there weren't too many like him at the time. You know, there was always that Prince versus Michael debate, but yes. I see them as two totally oh, different totally. Kind of artists. Yeah. Yeah. They were both huge, but Prince did everything. Michael was I mean, a great writer and singer, but did you ever see Michael pick up a guitar or... Mm-mm. I don't. I don't think I can ever recall him playing an instrument. The only thing I ever saw him pick up was a Pepsi. Yeah, and his hair caught on fire. <laughs> yep, oh, should have just left it alone. <laughs> uh, so, so I'm not surprised it's number one of '84 for sure. Yeah, the video uh, sparked a bit of a controversy among the network executives, apparently, who thought that it was a little too sexual in nature, maybe well, a little too explicit. Uh, and my reaction to that, yeah, it's Prince. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you look at the video for this, and I mean, it's pretty tame by today's standards. For sure. But I can see it causing a little bit of uh, ruffling of feathers back then. It's also ranked number 37 on Rolling Stone's list of 500 greatest songs of all time. Sure. That's yeah. no, that. I mean, it's a decent song. I love it the is. song. A long song, too. I mean, if you if you listen to the album version. Yeah. With the it's guitar like almost solo seven, at the end. Seven five minutes. Fifth, oh, really? Yeah. This is the single, must be the single version. It's 553 on my count. Yeah. All right, so that's uh, wrapping up our number one. So we've gone through the top ten now. Now it's time we discover what each of us has picked for their guilty pleasure song. Lance had some uh, thoughts about the term guilty pleasure. Yeah, I mean, I get guilty pleasure. I understand what it means, but being the music lover I am, you don't feel don't, guilty about anything. I don't anything. feel guilty, yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. you can make fun of me all you want. It's 1984. There no was judgment. a lot of songs that I was not going to listen to with my friends that I liked. Yeah. That's a guilty pleasure. Yeah. Okay. Then sure it is, that. all right. I, so, didn't, I didn't have any friends. You guys are my only friends. <laughs> wow. And we didn't even know you then. So. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so this is from the list of 100 we were picking from. If you also had a runner-up, I'd be willing to hear what that was, too. Uh, who wants to start? Lance, go for it. I can do that. You want my runner-up first, or you want my... I want your runner-up. Ooh, runner-up. My, my runner-up um, was Cindy Lauper, Time After Time. Ooh. Um, I like Cindy Lauper. I mm. think she's a talented... <laughs> Brian. Okay. Brian's judging. He's judging you. Oh, yeah. Guilty pleasure. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Um, no, I, her debut album has a lot of smashes on it, and I think yeah, she does. she continued um, per, making hits, and I, I dig that tune. Um, but my number one guilty pleasure is Tracy Ullman. They don't know about us. Wow. It has got such a 60s girl band, Laurel Canyon vibe to it. And I remember the video is kind of funny. Um, she's in a grocery store throwing stuff, you know, from the pregnant two kids. <laughs> they don't know about us. It, so it's kind of a spoof on the whole thing. But I did a little research. So... A, a lady, a singer named Kirsty McCall actually wrote this. Do you guys, are you familiar with the Pogues and Mm-mm. their um, Christmas song? Oh, yeah, 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 their Christmas song. She does the female part oh, okay. uh, in that. And her um, husband was a guy 
at the time her husband was a guy named Steve Lillywhite. Does that sound familiar? The name sounds familiar. He was a producer. And um, Kirsty McCall recorded this in 1979. And it didn't really go anywhere. Well, her record label was folding. They didn't produce or didn't promote, promote it. Oh. And it just didn't go anywhere. Her version is, it's kind of similar, actually, to uh, Tracy Ullman's. But Tracy Ullman, so we've talked about MTV and the MTV influence. MTV co-founder Robert Pittman, I don't know mm -hmm. who Robert Pittman, have you heard the name? Mm -hmm. Yep. He saw the video that she put together for They Don't Know, and then still no exposure in the U.S., but he saw the video and said, I'm going to invite Tracy Ullman to MTV to be a guest VJ for a week. And then they put her video in rotation and the song took exploded. off. Wow. wow. So the power of MTV. Yeah. Again, um, yeah. <clears throat> so anyway, I, I think it's, it, it sounds like I said, like a kind of sixties girl band vibe, very, um, you know, layered, like a, maybe even a beach boys sort of feel to it too. So it's a fun song. My guilty pleasure. Or not and, so guilty. And Dave, when you think of Tracy Ullman, what do you think of? Tracy Ullman show. Right. And then yeah. what do you think of? Simpsons. The Simpsons. Yes. Yeah. The beginning. Isn't that crazy? Simpsons. You're going from this song that she recorded there to to the Tracy Ullman show to the Simpsons. Yeah. Woo. Three degrees of separation. Brian, we're up to you. Oh, I can't wait. I, I, you know, I did not do all this research that Lance did. I didn't either. I'm I not going to have any research on mine. Honest to God, I didn't intend to, but I'm like. <laughs> you just had so much fun with that. I did, and I wanted to see who wrote it, and it went down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Well, whatever our listeners hear, I just pretend I, I cut out like 30 minutes <laughs> of, of you talking about your guilty pleasure song. It was not 30 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> I've got the clock on here. I know where we're at. <laughs> All right, so my, my runner-up is Think of Laura by Christopher Cross. Wow. I concur. I like Christopher Cross a lot, yeah. so it's a good choice. That was, I wasn't a big fan at the time, but then you know, as you get into the 90s and 2000s and you start listening back, and you're like, well, that was, he had some good stuff. Mm -hmm. you know? He's got a really pure tenor. Sailing and uh, Ride Like the Wind. And yeah. All those is just like, yeah, good stuff. I think at the, around... Must have been the late 90s or something. I remember seeing just a little video of him on Entertainment Tonight or something. He was probably making a comeback and mm -hmm. and uh, showed him like rehearsing at home in his studio and stuff. And that's just like, whoa, I remember all these songs. Mm -hmm. Some good stuff. So he would be, in my opinion, a great opener for a Toto concert. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, totally. Right line. Yeah. Yeah. Do you name any of your kids after uh, the song at all? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> no, that was my runner-up, so no. No. Well, I, I mean, it could have been after yeah, that's this. True. <laughs> oh, that's true. That's a good choice. Yeah. I like it. So now my, my number one pick here is Hold Me Now by the Thompson Twins. A lot of stuff going on here. Yeah. I have a picture. There was a there was a time in the probably the early nineties, mid nineties, and I would go grocery shopping and 
at Cub Foods and they had this rack of CDs and they had all these different volumes of hits from the 80s. And I kind of started buying those every couple of weeks when I was in there shopping. Because this was before, you know, you had a music service, you know, you, you, you didn't hear these songs on the radio anywhere. There's no, nothing out there playing them. And I, I'd see this and look through them like, whoa, there's some good stuff on here. And I remember this being on one of them. And, oh, really? and I was just like, man, this is a cool song. And then I kind of got on a little Thompson Twins kick. I probably ordered the greatest hits off of BMG or something and, yep. and got that. And I kind of had a little Thompson Twin kick for a little while. I like this song. Yeah, it's a good song. It's this is one when you hear just hear that start playing, it just like boom throws me right back to nineteen eighty four. I'm yep. just like right back there. So cool stuff. It has it definitely has an eighties feel. Kind of like didn't make my probably be my third runner up. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Was uh Eurythmics, another oh, yeah. band, English band that yeah. had a similar feel. But yeah. yeah. Thompson twins were part of the MTV era as mm -hmm. well. Well, all this stuff was, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> yes, it and was. I remember similarly to uh, the Culture Club, there's a lot of people in high school, you know, yeah. new wave hair, yeah. lots of totally, Thompson yep. twin lookalikes and things like that. Too. Yep. That was just it was kind of a all the rage type of thing. Did Thompson twins make any John Hughes soundtracks? <laughs> if they didn't, they should have. They should have. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes. Oh really? Dave's got us. Sixteen candles. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Dave's turn. All right, Dave. What do you got for us? Runner up. And these, you know, you you know, you know me. I like you know upbeat kind of stuff, right? Yeah. See if you're gonna guess this. My runner up. Well, I've only got like ninety <laughs> of them to guess from. So but you know, there are certain ones that I would never pick. I dance all days by Wang Chung. Oh, yeah, love that song. Yeah. Was that on there, Dave? Wow. Like, yeah. you, but you see, you don't need to feel guilty about that. No, no. That's the runner-up. Right. Right? Okay. So. You know what I thought your runner-up was going to be? What? Breaking. <laughs> There's no stopping <laughs> I, us. I have the, I actually bought that soundtrack. I know. That's what I is, thought for sure. I can't stand to listen to that song <laughs> on there. I actually never did like that song very much because it's so cheesy. It's so cheesy. Even the movie's pretty cheesy. How about Breakdance? No. Come on, Dave. No. Anyway, all right. Um, I'm just gonna start playing the number my uh, my number one. Yeah. Another movie one. <laughs> I know it. Right? Big surprise. Too. Yeah. Yeah. This is in Karate Kid. It's Cruel oh, Summer by mm -hmm. Bananarama. Yeah. So. Yeah. And this is on the soundtrack of my youth. I mean, right around that time. And, you know, those songs that immediately puts me back, like Brian, mm -hmm. you said earlier, to, to 1984. Yeah, you know? right. And I yeah, just associate I, that with just really good feelings. It's a super positive, like, song, you know? Yep. Even though it's called it's Cruel Summer. But positive for me <laughs> anyway. Positive very, memories. Yeah, very yeah. positive, even though it's cruel. Yeah, I just loved it the moment I heard it when it came out. I mean, it's got a cool combo of like synth and you know worldly kind of beats stuff in there too. You know, mm -hmm. female vocalists, for all a, good for a girl band. They were not, I, not a band you would want to pan. I, I thought they were artistically pretty decent. Mm -hmm. Bananarama was yeah. So, um, I like I think the Go Go's good. Yeah, I would say. Yeah, I think it's a good choice. It's a fun one. Don't feel guilty, Dave. I don't feel guilty at all, man. Otherwise, I wouldn't have put it out there. I'm confident <laughs> in my, my choice. 
Uh, so that's a wrap, guys. All right, guys, that will do it for today. In our next episode, we're heading back to 1978 this time and talking about the Styx album, Pieces of Eight. Take a guess if I own that album or not. I doubt it. Probably <laughs> not, Dave. That is correct. Right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Lucky guess. Yeah, right? If you missed our previous episode, we rocked it out hairband style and went through the album Out of the Cellar by one of my favorite Eddie's bands, Rat. Rat and Roll. If you haven't listened to that episode yet, be sure and go back and check it out. Hey, fellow music aficionados. <laughs> We're back to that again. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if you've enjoyed this episode or other episodes, maybe you didn't enjoy this episode. I don't know. Don't What's know. not to enjoy? I, I, I actually enjoyed this episode. Yeah, that was me too. Fun. Me too. But Brian? We would Good ask fun. you yeah. if you could please do us a favor and share the episode link with a friend and spread the word about when records ruled. And also, give us some hints of what you want to hear about. We promise we'll do another listener submitted review sometime. Yeah. In the next 10 years. <laughs> That's a safe bet. Exactly. Yes. And if uh, <laughs> I was going to make a comment to that, but forget it. Um, yeah, we'd appreciate it too if you'd leave us a review of the show. You can click the stars. The more, the merrier. Three, four, five. Ding, five. ding, 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 ding. That'd be a very rock and roll of you. Hey, you know what we could do? What? If you if they promise to click five stars and let us know, we'll name an episode after you. Wow. It's kind of like the star registry where we you can, can name your we'll own mention, star. Mention them in a, in, a pro, in a podcast. We'll do it. Whoa. Let us know if you give us five stars. We'll mention your name. Well, there you go. Wow. Little incentive. I'm going to put a little asterisk on that and say <laughs> not promised. You can, well... Yeah, we'll Not, have no we'll guarantee. Have, we'll have Lance's phone number up there so you can give <laughs> him a call. <laughs> that I can do. <laughs> anyway, you can also follow us and leave us comments on Instagram and Facebook at When Records Rule, where you get to see all the cool stuff that Dave puts up there. Good stuff from the Remember When segments and pictures and cool recreated album covers. It's all good fun, as the New Zealanders would say. Check out our Spotify playlist. So Dave will put a, together a little playlist yep. of this top 10 songs from 1984 for you to listen to. Plus our... Um, oh, our guilty pleasures? Yes, thank you. Good yeah. Words escaped those my brain. To, uh, good. You need to use uh, WordPro 36. That'll help you out. <laughs> anyway, just Why remember... Coming up with a lot of stuff here. New Zealanders and wow. All right, we've gone off the rails enough, I think. All right, remember, as you can tell, we are not professional music critics. <laughs> no, we're not. We're just three guys who like talking music. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll see you next time. Sayonara. Later.